This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hey everybody, welcome to the Husker Cuzcast Sports Show. Justin here along with the Cousins, Derek and Tyler. we got a great show planned for tonight. The Cousins got the honor of meeting up with Erin uh, Sorensen of Hale Varsity to get her thoughts on the season so far. Uh, also, we do have to talk about the Minnesota game. Nebraska drops a turd, 34-7 to uh, against Minnesota at Minnesota. Derek, what, what happened there? <laughs> the team forgot to show up. I, I don't know. I don't have an excuse. I don't. It, it was an embarrassing loss. It wasn't something that I would have ever anticipated. Uh, Minnesota came to play, and Nebraska did not. And it was, like I said, embarrassing. I don't. I don't have a lot to offer for it. We gave up way too many yards rushing. We couldn't move the ball on offense. They just seemed to do everything right, and we did everything wrong. Tyler. You and Derek both picked Nebraska to win this game. I'm not going to brag, but I'm really doing very well at this uh, Nebraska score prediction contest. I had Minnesota winning by two touchdowns. That's a terrible thing to brag about at this point right now. But uh, do you have a little bit more respect for Minnesota after the whooping that Nebraska took uh, now that it's over? Well, let me take every one of our listeners through the evolution that I usually go from after this podcast. So we come on this podcast, and I usually make a pick. And, and no matter almost 85%, whatever I pick, by the time kickoff happens, I think we're going to win by more. It, it just my, – my, my, my confidence in Nebraska goes up. This game was different. So last week on the podcast, I said Nebraska was going to win 31-28. You know, before the the game, I was sitting there, and I was like, man, I, I, I honestly – this could be like a – 28-21 game. I was like, we might lose this game. And I, I kind of made peace that this is a losable game because, you know, I, I started thinking about how good Minnesota's been on offense and, you know, I, I didn't know what we are going to bring on offense. Long story short on this is, to answer your question about more respect for Minnesota, I think absolutely. I mean, they, they look like the real deal. I mean, this was an embarrassing loss. With that said, this is more about Nebraska than Minnesota. This, yeah. this is not Minnesota... I'm not going to sit here and say, you know what, guys, I was wrong. Minnesota is, in fact, a top-10 team. They're not. We play like shit. And and our offensive line got whooped. Our linebackers weren't in position this whole game. We Our DBs looked disinterested. Um, I thought Vedral did an okay job, but when Wandell went down, our offense went with him. We had nothing, no response after he got injured. So, you know, I, I it was a bad loss. It, it, I mean, I would argue this was the second worst loss under the Scott Frost regime. Dirk, do you agree? Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily agree with the second worst loss. Uh, second worst loss this year, maybe. I, I wouldn't call it the second worst loss in the Frost regime. Uh, it would probably be third or fourth on my list. How, however, it was still a bad loss, and, and it was a team that I honestly. Sat here and said, hadn't played anybody. And right now, I'm going to sit here and say the same thing. They still haven't played anybody. Because <laughs> Nebraska did not show up in this game enough to prove that. Yeah. they. I, we looked more disinterested, disinterested in this game 
than anybody they've played. At least the other teams they played came to play, and they may not have been their talent level, but at least they came to play. You know, it, it's kind of funny. Everything's in, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty always, right? And then, you know, we were kind of ridiculing uh, P.J. Fleck for the way that they were preparing for this cold-weather game, you know, with the ice baths in the hands and all the stuff that they were preparing for. And our coaches were like, no, we're just, we're just going to prepare like it's any other game. I don't know if the cold had anything to do with it, but, you know, as far as the preparation goes, I mean, we did not look prepared at all whatsoever, whether it's cold weather, offensively, defensively tackling. Nothing looked prepared in this game. It, it was a very bad loss. Uh, Tyler, when you say it's the second worst loss under the uh, Scott Frost regime, I can kind of see where you're coming from in the aspect that we shouldn't have been blown out the way that we did against this team. I mean, Minnesota, they're on paper, they are not a much better team than us. They're probably not a better team than us on paper, but they well, damn sure looked like it. They damn sure looked like it. And, and, and I'll be clear. I mean, I think Minnesota, I mean, they are not world leaders. They are not that much. They shouldn't be that much better. Minnesota still could be a team that wins the West. I mean, I mean, they're, they're going to be, a, I, they, they're going to go eight. No, I mean, there's no doubt about it. They're, they're going to get to eight and no, their next two games are a joke. I, I mean, could they beat Iowa? I mean, I don't know who's a better team between those two right now. I mean, I, again, I think you look at Minnesota. I mean, could they beat Northwestern? I, I would say, yeah, I think they're a better team. I mean, so 10 wins is definitely in their path. I, again, guys, I think that the, when you talk about this game, what it comes down to and what the most shocking thing to me is where our offensive line is. And I have bitched about this offensive line for weeks now, and, and it's not about snaps anymore. I mean – God, remember the days when we used to bitch about snaps as that's the worst of our problem? Man, right. can, I, can I go back to that point when Cam Jurgens not building? I mean, they can't block. They got bull rushed. I mean, they had three-man rushes. Scott Frost pointed that we had a three-man rush one point in the game that we held, and they still sacked our quarterback. I mean, it, it, it's I, – I don't know how this offensive line got this bad. Um, it will be interesting to see what the coaches do to respond to that. Hey, I will say on the offensive line, Cam Jurgens was a bright spot. I mean, all of his snaps were crisp for the most part. I mean, I don't think he had any high snaps from what I've seen out of the game, right? I mean, he, I was, I was really pleased with Cam Jurgens, and you know he's taken a bad rap uh, by a lot of people, including us, over the you know first six games. This was a good game for Cam Jurgens, in my opinion. I, I think I know what, what play Scott Frost was talking about, and I'm not going to place all the blame on Noah Vedrill on that play. But if he's talking about the play, I think he was talking about the reason he got sacked, in my opinion, was because he tried to take off when the, when the, the, the pocket stayed pretty well blocked, and he, then he tried to run into the, into the pocket, and then Matt Farnia couldn't hold onto his block without a holding, and he got sacked. And I, if Noah Vedrill would have just stayed back in the pocket, I think he would have had a little more time and been fine. I think he decided to try and run before he needed to. Well, you know, the fans are disgusted by this past game. The coaching staff, they're disgusted with the game. The players are disgusted with this game. And Scott Frost gives like a rumor is he gives him an ultimatum there in the locker room on uh, the season. You know, it's basically buy in or ship out type of thing. Is that the right message to be sending, Tyler? 
Yeah, I think it is. I mean, you know, at this point in the year, I mean, I think there are a lot more players that are loyal to Frost than ever before. And I don't expect to see a high turnover ratio. I, I, I think this team knows that they're not where they need to be. The, the, I think the but if there are a couple people that, you know what, they're, they're beat up. They don't want to fight for it. They don't want to fight for every inch. They don't want to win. Dude, I don't want them. I, I don't care who it is. If that's where anyone's head at this point in the year, we're not winning any Big Ten titles. Remember when Bo- Mo Berry said that? Yeah. No one's going to remember Colorado after we win the Big Ten. Yeah. Well, yeah. How, how about no one will remember Colorado if we make a bowl? Like, let's change the bar on that one. <laughs> Derek, Derek, what do you think about this? You know, the coaching staff's like, hey, get step away from each other and figure things out. If you want to be part of this team, do it, you know, or go on. I mean, what, what are some adverse effects out of that? I think it's yeah. I think he kind of sent that message last year, and I think I think it worked out well for us. We ended up getting I don't want to say get rid of, but we we ended up losing Tyjon Lindsay and a few other players, and they started playing better after this because we got rid of some of the some of the players. I think had that attitude. Now I would have anticipated that we got rid of all those players already, so I didn't think we still had some of those guys on the team. But Frost is there; he sees, and obviously he's still seeing some players like that. Uh, I'm hoping between that, maybe it motivates some of these players. And having a week off, maybe we can get some players healthy because health has been a big concern this year too. And I look, Northwestern's had two bye weeks in the time that we've had before we've had our first bye week. So it's been a long first half of the season not getting a bye week so far. But not not trying to make that as an excuse either. But I'm just hoping that this bye week can actually help us, and maybe his comments will motivate them. And we can come out there's the last five games and start kicking some ass. I don't know. Yeah, you know, that that comment right there, those statements right there, they motivate me as a fan. You know, I've been probably the most negative one on the season, on Nebraska's progress throughout the season. Oh, there's no, the there's no probably about it. Yeah, there, there is. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right there. I've been very negative. But that those comments right there, that energizes me as a fan. I mean... It really does, you know, to get after it, take it to the next level, get out there and, you know, it get through this bye week and come out and whoop the shit out of Indiana when we face them. I mean, I am energized by those statements, and I hope that team is energized as well. Uh, do you guys have any more comments on Minnesota, or should we move on? Let's move on. All right. So before we move on to the uh, Aaron Sorensen interview... Uh, which was done by Derek and Tyler. Uh, I was not part of it. I wish I could have been, but they did an excellent job. Uh, Before we get to that, we're going to take a quick time out to hear from another great Big Heads media podcast. Oh, hey, I didn't see you there. I'm Swanson, host of the TV Tuners podcast. Every week on TV Tuners, me and my co-host, Keorain. Swanson, I need water. And Stairmaster. Review the latest in TV, discuss news, trailers, and even find time to play some fun games. Right now, we're working overtime to cram as much TV knowledge into our brains as possible. Isn't that right, guys? We've been here for 24 hours. We need to get out of here. Not until you answer who Norm is. He's Fraser's brother. Wrong. You get the shock. Check out TV Tunes, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or any of the podcatchers of your choice. And we're back. 
Uh, now it is time for the promised Hail Varsity's Aaron Sorensen interview. Well, we are joined tonight with a very special guest. We have Aaron Sorensen in the house. She is deputy editor of Hail Varsity. Uh, she was kind enough in the past to join us on the podcast and gracious enough to do it again. Good evening, Aaron. Hi, how are you? Oh, doing better if uh, that Minnesota game just didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, that was something, wasn't it? That's one, that's one word to use, I guess. I'm still trying to kind of figure out what I, I'm still not 100% sure what word to use for it. So that's about where I'm at. We'll, we'll stick with something. Yeah. Something. Yeah, it's, we're, we're, we're a PG show. So, uh, yeah, we'll say <laughs> something. So, you know, you're, we wanted to get you on tonight, kind of talk about where we are. We're headed into a bye week. We're in the middle of the season. So, you know, just give us your general thoughts on what the first half of the season, what are your feelings on this? Yeah, you know, I think there's been a lot said on the internet over the last 48 hours, and I'm sure it'll continue through the bye week. I, you know, I think a lot of people expected. Nebraska to be in a different place right now than this team is. And there's a lot of questions that have sort of come up and we don't, we don't a hundred percent have the answers to. And so as a result, there's a lot of finger pointing who's at fault for sort of the overhype. Is it the media? Is it fans? Is it the coaching staff? Is it, there's so many, there's just so many, like so much blame going around right now. And, you know, the one thing that I've really said is, Frost was always going to speak highly of this team, but I do think he probably thought this team was going to be in a bit of a different place. I think there's talent on it. And, you know, seven games into the season, I still feel that way. I think there's a good amount of talent. It's just getting that talent one to work together, but also figuring out identities, uh, making things make sense. And I think, unfortunately, and I wrote about this a little bit for the Hill Varsity yearbook about allowing Nebraska to just be Nebraska and not having it have to be Central Florida 2.0. But you go from that year one to year two leap. And I think a lot of people were really hopeful that was going to be the same. Maybe not, you know, a, a, a perfect record and national championship potential. But I think people thought, oh, for sure, winning the West, competing in the Big Ten really, really solid bowl game potential. And it hasn't quite panned out like that. And so I think right now where we're at, it's just a lot of questions. And like I said, I think everyone from the staff itself to the players, to fans, to even the media are trying to sort of grapple with what that, what that is and what sort of led everyone astray. But, you know, sometimes things just happen you know, you, the off season is a time where you're supposed to be optimistic. The off season is when you do see things through sort of rose colored glasses. You don't want to live your whole off season thinking things are going to be terrible. And so I think there's just a little bit of, um, I think a lot of people are feeling disappointed. It hasn't turned into what they had hoped. And I think there's a lot of realization that this rebuild is going to take a lot longer than people maybe had hoped for. So I think that's where we're at right now is a lot of just like, Wah, wah. But that doesn't mean this this second part of the season can't be incredibly successful and get Nebraska into a really good position going forward. So 
you know, it, it's kind of one of those things where I hope everyone's taking the bye weeks to sort of recover both like mentally for the team physically as well. Um, cause there's a lot of, there's a lot still out on the table for this team and it would be a shame if it ended, if, if it was over today, it would be different, but thankfully it's not. So a lot is still ahead. And I think that's the one big positive we can take right now going through this bye week. Absolutely. You know, you brought up the uh, expectations from year one to year two from the UCF deal. You know, and I I remember a lot of fans all sitting back going, we can't expect the staff to do that. We have to tape our expectations and we have to, you know, really, really, you can't expect them to go undefeated in year two. And now that we've seen what we've seen, everybody's bringing back up year two again. Like, well, they went undefeated in year two. Why can't they do better this year? Mm-hmm. And it's two it's two different scenarios, two different schools. Apples uh, and oranges, hundred percent. It, it really is, and I, I wish I, I, I wish kind of wish people could see that a little bit more than what they do. I, I think the I think the challenges, and I try to remind people of this, especially with how how much emotion is going around. Is emotions actually a good thing? Because the worst the worst case scenario is apathy. The second fans start to be apathetic that's that's your worst case scenario because that's when things like the sellout streak end and that's when support in the way that it functions right now ends and nebraska doesn't have that happening which is a blessing um it's also a curse in some ways but i you know i think i think it's just kind of having to maybe reassess now what those expectations were and not necessarily going who was right and who was wrong, but maybe just realizing that it's, it's going to be a little bit, it's just going to be different and that's okay. There's, there's a lot of talent on this team. And I, I still firmly believe that there's some really, really amazing coaches on the staff. It just hasn't, it hasn't fallen exactly into the place that people want it yet, but that's not because I think it's not possible. I think it's just not going to happen in maybe the time frame. Some people would have liked it to. I mean, heck, I would have loved it to. Covering wins are so much more fun than covering losses. But you know what? You gotta you gotta get through these things. And at least for like me in the media, there were dilly bars on Saturday. So it's like you have that. <laughs> you always have that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so so just uh, this is kind of a two part question here for you. But what's been the most positive thing you've seen so far in this season? What's been the most disappointing part of this season for you? Uh, dis- I'm going to start with disappointing because I have a, I think the offense has been disappointing and I think it's easy to point fingers at the quarterbacks, but I think if Minnesota did anything, it really showed that the, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is at this point, not saying that Adrian Martinez was like playing lights out and he he had been in a bit of his own sophomore slump, but I, I think what we saw from Noah on Saturday against Minnesota is it doesn't really matter who you have under center. If your offensive line isn't doing their job, if you're not able to get a run game established, if your wide receivers are not running the routes that they're supposed to. And there have been these little things I've been trying to tell people, you know, it, it's easy to say, I wish the staff would answer this question, or I wish Frost would answer this question. They usually do answer the questions. They just you just kind of have to be listening and reading a little bit between the lines. So for instance, one thing that really stood out to me after Ohio state is Walters had probably one of his best Wednesdays. He, he talks every Wednesday and I always joke that like, it's a lot of the coach speak. He's very, very good at coach speak, but this was probably one of his best Wednesdays was after Ohio state, as far as just explanations are concerned. And 
he was sharing that one of the biggest concerns he had with his wide receivers was that they were juking and driving on the line of scrimmage and basically trying to like juke out these Ohio State defensive backs, which you're not going to juke out Ohio State defensive backs. But what was happening as a result is that extra second, that extra second, second and a half that they were taking trying to fake out these defensive backs was preventing them from getting where they needed to be. So even Frost brought it up today. And see, this is what I mean when I tell people, like, you got to read between the lines and piece these things together because Frost brought it up um, following the Ireland press conference about how they've, they're they not running their routes and getting where they need to be in their routes in appropriate time. So that's an issue that has to be fixed. So if you're if your wide receivers are not getting where they're supposed to go, your quarterback is inevitably not going to trust them to get where they and it feels like there's a lack of trust. We have sort of had it implied by Sean Becton that the tight ends don't have the quarterback's trust. And then on top of it, you have an offensive line who against Minnesota seemed disinterested. Trent Hickson got completely blown blown by the guy he was you know supposed to defend from minnesota to the point that they had to take him out and cam jurgens who's your who's your tight end turned offensive lineman who's had his own struggles with snapping throughout the season ended up having his best one of his better games against minnesota but the rest of the line didn't so i think for myself the disappointment has been the offense in general and i think We've we probably were focused too much on the quarterback in the beginning, but it's now starting to come together where you don't you can't put all the heavy lifting on Wandale if someone like Maurice can't be available. Your wide receivers have to just run the routes. Your offensive line has to be tougher, cannot be getting pushed around like they were. So your quarterback, yes, needs to play better, but there are a lot of pieces around that quarterback that aren't functioning like they should. And that's really disappointing to me at this point. The one thing that has been optimistic for me, and I know this is sort of a controversial one, is the defensive line. Um, they've kind of had some like ups and downs. I think a lot of people felt like against Minnesota, they got pushed around. But Frost even said, when you go back and look at the film, they were not really the problem against Minnesota. They, you know, yeah, there was a couple of things where there was some confusion on who's taking what gap and this and that. Um, but overall, they weren't getting like pushed around. There were some issues with outside linebackers. There were some issues in sort of the secondary and like, like there's just some inter- there's some interesting pieces behind them that weren't working the way that they're supposed to. And so it kind of at face value looked like, what is the defensive line doing? But overall they've had a pretty good year. I would, I, I gave them a, I think a B minus when I was kind of like, Derek Peterson of Hale was asking us, like, what would you grade different positions groups? And I think I gave them B minus. And it's because other opposing teams keep bringing them up. There's a reason other coaches keep talking about the defensive line. It's not because they got pushed around in Minnesota. It's because they're actually really good. Um, do they have like, plenty of room to improve? Of course. But they're, they're been a, they've been a pleasant surprise. And I think they're probably beat up a little bit because of the time they've had to be on the field. Um, but I mean, overall, there's a ton of promise with that, you know, with Darian and the Davis brothers, but then even if one of them goes out, we've now seen some, you know, some strength behind them. So I feel good about that one. I think that's an area to be optimistic. And I think overall the defense has, I think the defense has found its chemistry a little bit better. Minnesota was sort of an outlier, but I feel, I feel optimistic about that piece of it right now. 
It's funny you mentioned the D-line. Tyler's been getting hammered the last couple of weeks because he at one point had said that Nebraska's D-line might be the best in the Big Ten. It's not actually a bad <laughs> defensive line. <laughs> it, it's not bad. I think we're far from the best, but I, I, I it, it's not. It's maybe not as bad as I anticipated. So there is a uh, particular person who knows who they are, who uh, is a fan of the podcast, and we appreciate the support. But every game since I made that comment, I, I hear something <laughs> about our defensive line, and I'm sure you can relate every time you go on a ledge and say something. But I stick with it. They're a good defensive line. Damn it. They are. Um, I really do think that they, like, I, I agree, maybe not the best, um, but they're, they're not anywhere near the bottom. Um, I don't even think they're near, I would say they're near the top. It's just, I think the piece that we have to keep reminding ourselves of is you can be a pretty strong defensive line, but if you aren't getting help in other pieces, especially if your outside linebackers are not having a great day, it is going to wear you down. And especially if your offense is putting you on the field a lot, um, it's easy to get tired. It's not, that's like, that is a very hard thing to strength and condition for is basically being on the field a lot in Nebraska was on the field. I want to say almost five and a half, six minutes longer than Minnesota was, or sorry, excuse me. Minnesota was on the field about five and a half, six minutes longer, which is telling you that their Nebraska's defense was seen quite a bit more of the field when you think about who had the time I'm saying that incorrectly at the time of possession that was the word I was looking for but I'm just saying it tells you well okay if if a team's gonna have the ball almost six minutes longer it's putting a good amount of like stress especially on your defensive line well your, your offense better be scoring a lot of points if you're they better be but they weren't <laughs> and that's they the problem is the offense isn't well, let's, let's talk about one of the reasons why maybe our offense didn't score many points. You know, Wondell Robinson is making a case for potentially Big Ten freshman of the year. I'll probably get crushed for that take, too. But, um, you know, You're but, probably not completely off with that either. I will give I, you that, too. So so but right now, obviously, his health is in the air. And I, I, I don't know if you want to be bold enough to say if you have any speculation about when he'll return. Uh, Frost today said he expects him back this season. Um Here's what I will say, because I, I don't have any insider info at this point, because I will always say injuries are the one area where, like, I never really go pry because there's more than just, like, sources. There's HIPAA violations. There's so many things where I'm like, you don't want the media digger on <laughs> that stuff. Um, sure. So I'm always a little bit hesitant, but I will say he he, he said it'll be fine, which is kind of in his, like, go-to response for everything, which is super vague. But that was in response to, do you expect to have him back this season? And he did say yes. Uh, positive is he wasn't on crushes on Saturday. He was in a walking boot, but he was able to walk around on that. So I'm not a doctor. I just play one when I pretend. Um, and I think that has to be a good thing, right? <laughs> I, I would Absolutely. think so. Crutches. But so, no, but let's say he comes back. Let's say best case there, he's able to play Indiana in a, two weeks. So, uh, you know, he started the year primarily as a wide receiver, a lot of wide. You know, you've seen him kind of transition a little bit more to a running back. So moving forward, where do you see the coaches using him more running the ball or in the passing game? I think it just really depends. I think, and I'm not trying to take like the easy way out on answering that. I really do sincerely think it depends. Um, they would love to use him everywhere. I mean, he's kind of one of those players like Cam Taylor Britt where like they, they would pull him into every meeting room if they could. Um, but I think for the health of Wandale, they're going to have to start to kind of find that place. And honestly, I think we might, 
God, the reason I say it really depends is, okay, so are the wide receivers going to start, are we going to start seeing more maybe from the freshmen, especially as we get into the final four games with um, potential, like being able to play them and still red shirt um, is Cade Warner going to start being a factor is, is JD Mike Williams. Are they going to start um, playing? I mean, JD's played pretty well from a number standpoint, but you know what I mean? Is he going to be a bit the bigger contributor that I think people were expecting. Um, because if that's the case and you could reasonably not need Wandale being as much a wide receiver, but same thing on running backs is Maurice Washington. Is he going to be able to carry his load? Because I think it really depends on where they need him. So that's the challenge for me is I'm like, I don't, I don't envy the decision that they have to make with him, but I think it really just depends on where they need it most. And that's going to kind of depend on, I guess, maybe what, what this, what these two groups do in the bye week and leading up to the next game is who steps up. And that's obviously depending on if he's healthy or not, but like, they're going to just put him wherever they need him. So I'm having a hard time, like deciding which one I think, Oh, I don't know. I, I think the the reality is you kind of hit on this. I, I don't think they can keep playing him the way they have been. No, they uh, cannot. And 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 I think, you know, they're, he's going to carry the ball. He's going to catch the ball. But I, I do think for his health this season, they, they can't. The, the, the way they're implementing the game is not sustainable. So it, it will be curious to see his future. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we we've talked quite a bit at Hillversity about kind of just what they are doing with him. And I don't know, it's just, uh, yes, if they could put him everywhere, that's what they want. But as we saw, it's not, it's not like you hit, you hit on that too. It's just not good for him long-term. So I think they're going to have to kind of settle in on something. And I think he'll always kind of maybe have a home in both rooms. Um, for now, I have a feeling it'll depend on just where the biggest holes are and where he can sort of fill in, but they're going to have to, that's part of finding an identity, find a spot for Wandale. Um, that's going to really start to tell like what this offense offensive identity can look like. But I think it's because they just don't have enough as Frost would say weapons to sort of trust at this point. All right. Uh, I'm going to kind of transition that into uh, kind of, and I know we can't use Robinson quite the way we have been, but I, I know Frost brought this up earlier in the press conference, either today or or our post game pre, uh, press conference. But he was talking about bringing on players that young players that haven't seen much playing time yet. And I know he brought up Bryce Benhart. Uh, I know you kind of brought up uh, Cade Warner. Uh, but just just out of curiosity, out, out of the rest of the team, is there any player that we haven't seen much of in the first half that you? can anticipate maybe being a key factor in the second half of this season. Is, is there a guy out there that can do that? Or? Me, I'm, I'm going to pull up their roster. I want to look at it. Um, because I, so what you're, what you're mentioning is he brought it up both Saturday and today. So he brought it up Saturday, Tuesday, had some time to obviously think about it. So Saturday after following Minnesota, it was mostly just a, we're going to need to find more. We're going to need to find more playmakers. We're going to need to find more people able to play and we'll evaluate that. He didn't really provide any names at that point um, today. So Tuesday, like I, I keep saying today. So like whoever is just like living in our time frame and our world. Um, but he brought up the 
two offensive linemen he brought up was Ethan Piper and Bryce Benhart. And then the two defensive linemen he specifically brought up was Mosai, Mosai Newsome and Ty Robinson. And so I would obviously expect to see them. I think especially Ben Bryce Benhart, because Bryce Benhart looks like a dude. I mean, I, I go back to this. I brought this story up actually the other day. I went to the Peach Bowl and I will never forget. I was standing toward this entrance as Central Florida was getting ready to be done with practice for the day. And Auburn was coming onto the field for their portion of practice. And they're walking by me and I'm just, I'm just like, oh, oh my, oh my gosh. Like these, these are, these are huge humans. Like these are, this is absolutely unreal. Like who are these? Like this team is just like behemoth. And somebody who's standing next to me was like, that's what a football team is supposed to look like. And like, I understood in that moment, the amount of shade that was being thrown at Nebraska and the team I covered, but like, I, I was sort of floored. But the reason I say that is Bryce Benhart looks like those guys, but a freshman. So imagine what he can do. So I'm, I'm pretty like, I'm pretty excited to see what they sort of do with him going forward because like I said he is a he is a dude so I'm I'm looking now um by class not physician um and to answer your question I think we're probably going to see Wandale gosh Maurice Washington has to step up like if he's going to be playing he's got to be great because they really need him they need Wandale to focus as a wide receiver but anyway I digress from that I'd love to see (laughs) I'd love to see Jamie Nance um he would be he would be a lot of fun to see. Obviously, we've kind of been told Ramir Johnson is not going to be seen. They want to redshirt him. Maybe in, I don't know. It kind of felt weird how that was presented. So I can't really in good good faith say he'll play. Maybe they'll put him in for a little action. Who knows? Um, uh, Ronald Tompkins, didn't he's, I always want to switch them around. He had his, he had a knee surgery, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So his he's. ACL. Well, he, Gosh, he had he had surgery at the third. beginning of the season, well, just a minor surgery did as well, didn't he? Yeah, this is his third time having to deal with some form of like knee injury. That's not great. I was Ronald Tompkins and Ramir Johnson's names just like switch in my mind, which is really not helpful at all. <laughs> um, so that's why I had to like check myself. Um, but I think you could see, you know, Noah Pola Gates. We've seen, we think we've seen him once. We have a red shirt tracker. I should be looking at that. That's what I need to be doing. But I, you know, the more I look at this group, I think you're going to start seeing, you know, I think we should see more of Chris Hickman. Um, Nick Henrich is a name that people have started to kind of wonder about. There's a lot of, there's a lot of names here where I'm like, I think you might start to see some of them, especially in these last four or five games. And Shenander was the one who said like, they're going to start being pretty strategic with how they get them in. So I think there's going to be some new faces. And the one I'm probably the most excited about is Ben Hart. And especially if the offensive line needs that help, no time like the present step right up like they're they're gonna be looking for it and if he can play four games and still redshirt but be an impact player for a few games i mean that could be that could be a great sign for 2020 and ben hart's played in one game right let me go look at our redshirt tracker i'm I'm pretty (laughs) sure i'm I'm sorry i'm pretty sure he's i know he's played in at least one game i think it was against northern illinois yeah i think when we got up big he got in towards the end and, and I remember watching him, and I remember he was pushing a guy around. Granted, it was Northern Illinois, and everybody was kind of yes. pushing him around. But yep, you're right. 
But, my, but he looked really good blocking in that game for, for being a true freshman. Oh, yeah. See, I'm looking at this now. Um, so Quentin Newsom has burned his red shirt. Garrett Nelson obviously burned his red shirt, as did Wandale Robinson. Um, Luke Reimer is one game away from burning his red shirt. So there's a couple that are on, like, Noah Gates is a game away. So there's a couple, like, obviously then, I guess, thinking about it that way, Pull a gates if they want a red shirt and we won't see him again this season unless they're just like no fear of failure he's going to play the last you know five games but Which, I, unless he's going to be an impact I don't think there's a reason to really do no, that is there no and so see where's my brain at from the first half of the season I'm looking at these guys and I'm just like where were you at like whatever but <laughs> anyway <laughs> well I think I mean we've heard that critique a little bit some of these guys that have gotten in you know you look at the Luke McCaffrey one snap I mean I think you know, there there has been some criticism uh, of how the coaches have used some of these guys when they've gotten the game because they are yeah. they've been pretty forgettable. Um, well, but- yeah, because I'm like sitting here looking at it and I'm like, when did when did I see like we have? I will say, to be fair, if anyone's wondering, and I have to give him a ton of credit, Jacob Padilla, he will literally when he goes back and rewatches the game, he will track the participation himself because we get participation reports, but sometimes they're not 100 percent accurate. And he will literally go through and watch the participation himself. And so it, if that says anything, there's sometimes such unforgettable per- performances where I like I'm sitting here. I'm like, when did this guy play? Like, when did he go into that game? And it's because Jacob is like literally watching through and like, he's like, oh, there they are. And it's like they're gone before you can even really realize it. <laughs> yeah. So quick question here. We're going to do a quick game of over under one question. Oh, no. we have- okay. We have 1,329 yards rushing right now. We're, we're just going to say we have five games left. Mm. Do you think we hit the 2,000-yard rushing mark? Over under 2,000. In five games? Five games. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Give me just a second. I need to do my calculation. So you said it's 1,329? 1,329. Okay. So everyone's, like, watching my, like, my thought process like or listening to my thought process okay so there's smoke over, rolling we see it so you're saying 130 you need to at least hit hypothetically 135 yards a game um yep. and the rest of the schedule oh that's gonna be tough yeah wisconsin well against yeah. wisconsin i almost think it could be tough against iowa yeah but you got purdue I, too and they've got, got, yeah I'm you, you might get you might get half of them against purdue Oh, man. Yeah, I guess that's Purdue's true. Because Maryland as well. Okay. Gosh, that's a... <laughs> it's quite the conundrum, isn't it? You could take... You could make either case. And, like, yeah. I would totally believe somebody either way. All right. I'm... Gosh. I am going to... What do I want to do? Because that's also like completely depending on, for me, it completely depends on Maurice Washington. Yeah. I'm going to take the under, but barely. I just, without knowing him being able to complete a full like four quarters and knowing he's got, he's got like off the field issues that have nothing to do with his court appearance, but he's clearly having some issues off the field that are benching him. He hasn't been able to string together some stuff. I would love him to prove me wrong. So I'm going to take the under and I hope, I hope I'm proven so wrong. All right. Great answer. Loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So we have a Twitter question here for you. And I, 
I, I really did, I didn't want to go down this road too much, but and they, they, they questioned it a little differently than I'm going to, but if the season continues down this road where we just continue to struggle, uh, do you see any possibility of coaching changes in the off season? So I, I actually was asking some people about this on Saturday, like if I thought so, and my answer is no. And the reason why is because it's year two and one of, one of Scott's big thing has been staff chemistry staff, like having that continuous, um, I mean, there's a reason that they wanted to bring everyone here. Now I understand they've lost one member of their staff, but overall they, they really believe in keeping things intact. So I don't see that happening at this point, unless the wheels just fall off the bus to the point that like, there's just no excuse, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they, unless somebody wants to just leave because they, they feel bad or I don't no idea. I don't think Frost will ask somebody to leave. And that's not to say he's being stubborn or anything. I think he had, I, I think you got to give him a year three. Um, I think year three is often when you see coaches make the biggest jump. I think that has always probably been where we should have put our focus was 2020 year three for this staff. But I mean, if you, if you have a year three team with frost who has an offensive line, who is just getting so obliterated, you know, maybe then you have to have a conversation, but I, I just don't know how you do that now. I, and that's not me being a Homer. I mean, I, I just don't see how you can do it in good faith. I had this whole thing about D'Antonio people were like, well, D'Antonio got questioned about it, but D'Antonio's staff has been with him. Like, Two of his guys have been with him 13 years. You should be questioning them. Yeah. But well, it's, it's not quite the same here, but it, it should, it's deserved if it continues. But I think you got to give him at least another year. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll start wrapping this up with you um, on the, on the note of uh, another Twitter question talking oh, about boy. a recruiting class. So this one, we, we got the tougher one now. Uh, <laughs> so, so, you know, obviously, we've, we've seen a little bit of momentum in the recent weeks with recruiting. We've brought in a few recent commits. You know, without going too in-depth in this, you know, how do you feel about how this class is coming together? Is this something where you feel like we're on the right track? Or, or are you like some people and you're like, man, I would like a little bit more star power? You know, I, I get I get I hear it. I, I totally understand that people are like, man, this staff is really good at three star recruiting. They've got the three stars on lock. Um, but I do think I think there's a lot of um, there's a couple of three stars where I'm like, they're really they're really close to being a four star. So like you look at Blaze Gunderson, he is just like just under that four star mark. Um, same thing with Logan Smothers. He's not far off of it. Um, Nash Nash is not f- too dangerously far off of it either. I think that's the thing is when you kind of look at there's there's a good number of them that as they continue to be evaluated through the end of their senior seasons, I bet we see a bump in their stars. Um, but I think I think you've got guys like Turner Corcoran who is a really high, high four star, and he has the potential to be a huge impact player right away for Nebraska. So I think they're, I think they're making strides in the right area. I know, I know the sort of thing is always like, we need more in the trenches and you know, that's not necessarily an, that's not necessarily a invalid complaint and 
desire, but you know, I think it's trending in the right direction. I think this class has some room to improve, but I think overall they're finding some key pieces that could be a, a big factor quickly, or at least like, you know, be developed into what they need them to be. But I would keep an eye on that. I would say that people who are like, man, they've got this three-star market just like handled. Keep an eye on some of those guys that are just barely outside of the four-star range. Like Blaze Gunnerson, Logan Smothers, Nash Hutchmatcher. I, I can't say Nash's last name without completely butchering it. <laughs> so I'm just done with his I last feel, name. I feel your pain. He's the just polar call, bear. Polar bear, baby. He's the polar yeah. bear. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I would keep an eye on some of them because as they continue to get evaluated, I would not be surprised if they don't get just like enough of a bump where you might see a couple of them go to four stars. And if that is what happens, what that tells you is something that this staff loves to do is they love to find guys before they sort of hit that like upward swing where suddenly everyone's like, oh man, we want to recruit them too. Um, so keep an eye on a couple of those. I think that could, I think that could be a potential positive in the long run for this class and they obviously still have plenty out there that haven't committed yet so it'll be interesting to see who those players end up being um but there are very few that are low three stars um and so that's that's i think the thing it keep an eye on where they are in their their star ranking i think that sometimes says a lot that's what I try to tell people a lot of times is rather than look at the star of each recruit, kind of look at the average of them. Because right now we're fourth in the Big Ten as far as average recruit goes. We don't have a lot of recruits in this class yet, but the average, I think, I believe we're just a few points behind Penn State right now. Yeah, it's it's really not as – this is your ultimate coach speak. It's never as good as you think, and it's never as bad as you think. It's It's always kind of somewhere in the middle. And – the thing that for me has always been really important when I've looked at a recruiting classes is, are they filling the gaps? Are they filling the areas of need and are they doing so with the best possible players for that, for that? And there's some, there's some real strong potential like breakout players so far in a class that, like you said, is nowhere near, like it's, it's pretty small still. Um, so I, I mean, I think there's a lot to be sort of, I'm, I'm eager to see how it shapes up because I think the one thing that this, this staff really prides themselves on is recruiting and not only recruiting talented players, but ta- players that fit their system that fit kind of the mindset that they want. And so that's always what I'm kind of interested in seeing is how it shapes up is who they're still, who who's still out there. And from everything I've been told, there's some pretty solid names out there to still, still commit. So it could it could end up being a pretty strong class, and it hopefully fills a lot of those needs. Well, it, you you kind of did that, and I was going to get you out there, but since you kind of opened the door a little bit, what's the biggest need that we still need to uh, fix with recruiting right now? Uh, what's the biggest need still left? Oh wow, there's a there's a lot. Um, obviously not quarterback. They've got that one handled. Um, in fact, I'm like starting to be like, can they really keep like just keep hanging on to all these quarterbacks? But apparently Nebraska is just the place to be. Um, obviously, I agree with the people who are like, they've got to keep finding people in the trenches. Yes, they do. They've got to keep recruiting those big body guys. But I think more than anything else, the number one thing they've got to find is big wide receivers, tall wide receivers, the big bodied guys, because 
that same Wednesday I talked about earlier with Troy Walters, he's like, well, I can't, I can't run a, you know, five, nine wide receiver straight down the field and ex- like have him go up. Like, I can't just like have him like run straight down the field and go up for a pass and like expect him to get it. That's just not what he's built for. And so that's of course, when you get into the whole, why don't you use your tight ends more? But the reality is they do need some more big bodied receivers. And that is something where Xavier Betts is six, two, um, that's great. Uh, William Nixon is not as tall as you kind of would like him to be. So I think if you're going to look for an area where it would be nice to get a little bit more depth, big bodied receivers, go, go get another, go get another one in this class. Cause they're going to need them. Cause that is an area that is significantly lacking on this roster and they need them because that is something that this offense requires. So they need not just like, tight ends who could also potentially play play basketball for the basketball team. They also need wide receivers who could maybe help play on that basketball team too. <laughs> it, it would be nice to see the staff start using those tight ends a little more. I will say It that. would be. And I think you see like Austin Allen really wants to, he's had, you know, he's not perfect, but he's really been, he's kind of taken off a little bit. Jack soul should absolutely be getting utilized more than he is. Um, Kurt Raftel, I think has a ton of potential. So I'm with you. I don't, completely understand why there's a lack of trust between the quarterbacks and the tight ends or why there's just not, it's just not clicking like it should, but they should absolutely be utilizing them more because it is hard to defend a dude that's six, 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 seven, like there's well, it's, not no like, it's not like they're scrawny six, 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 seven. They're no. hefty fellows too. I mean, they're big boys are hard to take down. They wear a defense out. You get those guys into the ball a lot. And I, so I, I can't figure out why, even if you only throw it to them five yards, just make people tackle them, make people wear them out. Yeah. And so something's, then that goes back to like what's going on with the offensive line is something is, are, are the tight ends essentially just hung up blocking? Um, why is the, why is the quarterback not trusting the tight ends? I don't know. There's, there's a number of questions that I, I feel like we kind of continue to ask a little bit more about. And it's just, it's, it's not that like the coaches don't want to answer. I think some of it, they're still trying to figure out themselves too. Yeah. Well, Aaron, thank you very much for hopping on and talking to us tonight. Um, you know, as mentioned, Aaron's with Hale Varsity. Please check out her content and all the great content from Hale Varsity. Please subscribe. And any last words for us? No, I mean, hey, we're all in this together. So for everyone who's like, man, this stinks, we're all in this together. So, like, at least we get to go to Ireland in two years. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good attitude. Is, is Hill Varsity sitting there? Because I, I, I might be looking for a job if that's the case. So uh. <laughs> We haven't talked travel, but I will say, like, I, I, I think that'd be pretty cool to cover. So I would love the opportunity to be able to go. But it's funny. You can't even, you can't even look at flights right now. They don't even no. book more than a year out. So we've got some time to kind of, like, sit and think on it. But I have a feeling we're going to be, like, there's going to be some, like, punches thrown in the office over who gets to <laughs> who gets to go to Ireland. <laughs> well, I, I think you can take Greg. So I, I've got the money on you. So, again, <laughs> thank you very much for coming on the show tonight. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. All right, guys. And we're back from that. Great interview, guys. Uh, it's time for the games of the week. Pick straight up. Updated standings are? Well, Justin, me and you are tied for first right now. We are both 33-9. and nine. I, I believe right now we're rocking the best winning percentage we've had on this. And Derek, you're just one game behind us at 32-10. and 10. Overall, Yeah, I should really have picked well Nebraska, percent. apparently. 
we're we're doing Dude. pretty well with this segment. So uh, let let's let's see what this week does. I think there's some potential disagreement this week. Well, it's the one segment that we actually are doing well in. I mean, we're going to get to another one that I'm not doing too well in, but we'll see that. Uh, all right, first game on the docket, guys. Oregon at Washington. Tyler. So Oregon just beat Colorado 45-3. to Washington just beat Arizona 51-27. to I think both of these teams are in this. I think it's a tough game. It's at Washington. But I think that extra day off, because Oregon played on Friday, gives them the edge. I like Oregon in a close one. Derek? Oh, I don't know if Kurt's still listening, but it's Skurs, baby. It's not skis. It's never skis. Uh, You know, I, I was looking at this, and Oregon, surprisingly, I'm picking them for their defense. Their defense is only getting eight and eight point seven points per game, and that's not what I expect out of an Oregon team. But they're doing it. We're over halfway through the season, and giving up eight points a game is pretty damn good on defense. So I'm going to go with Oregon with their defense. Hey, do you guys remember a time where you guys were trying to justify the Colorado losses? Like, hey, that Colorado team—they're a pretty good team. Yeah, Oregon just killed them. I got Oregon in this game as well. Uh, I- I think they get it over the Washington Huskies. Uh, game number two, Arizona State at Utah. Tyler. I'm going to go with Utah on this. Uh, Utah's got a pair of linebackers that are among the best in the country. The O-line's only given up four sacks. I think Utah, they're a really good team. I got Utah in this game. Derek. Uh, that Colorado team did beat this Arizona State team. That's pretty damn good, though. Yeah. So give them a little bit of credit. Uh I, I do think Arizona State will keep this a very close game. But I'm going to give Utah the home field advantage and give them the slight win. Uh, the minus 14 I don't think is very safe for Utah, but I, I do think Utah will find a way to win. I had high hopes for Utah in the beginning of the season. I thought that was going to be a t- team that could crash the playoff four. Right now I don't think they will, uh, but I think they're a pretty good team, so give me Utah. All right, let's get to into some good, interesting Big Ten action. Two teams that I'm glad we don't play this year. Uh, Michigan at Penn State. Tyler. You know, both of these teams have beaten Iowa recently. Um, that's not really important in my pick. I just like to point out that Iowa lost twice in a row to these teams. <laughs> so that's kind of noteworthy. Um, guys, I think Penn State might be the real deal. I mean, you know, we're not talking about Ohio State or Wisconsin, but if if I'm ranking the top five teams in the country, there might be three of those teams in the Big Ten. Uh, I'm really high on Penn State. I think they're going to beat Michigan. I think it will be a tighter game than a lot of people think, but I like Penn State. Derek? Uh, you know, I gotta give Justin a little bit of shit on this one because he always likes to prove out when he, he always likes to point out when he's right. He never really likes to take credit when he's wrong. And Well, he had Michigan going undefeated this year, and I think this is going to be their second loss. And I think it's going to look just as bad, if not worse, than it did against Wisconsin. I think Penn State's up there, guys. I think they are probably the only competition in the Big Ten for Ohio State. And I think I've said that a couple times in the last couple weeks, but I think they're still there. Hey, I've owned this. I've owned that I was wrong on Michigan. Michigan, they are terrible. I, I owned that since they were like uh, they struggled against Army. Uh, but uh, I have Penn State in this one as well. I, I like Penn State a lot. So, give me Penn State. Game number four, 
Temple at SMU. An AAC classic. Tyler. You know, I, we, we first of all, we've all agreed so far, which is shocking, because I think there's some pretty close games in there. But, um, you know, Temple, they, they've got some pretty nice victories. They beat Memphis. They beat Maryland. They beat Georgia Tech. They only allowed two points to them. You know, SMU, they have a pretty good victory against that TCU team. I think this is a tight, tight game, but I'm going to go with Temple. I think Temple pulls the upset on the road. Derek? I, You know, I, I do agree with you. I think Temple does have some good wins. I think they've proven to be a better team than anybody anticipated them being. But I'm, I'm going to give it to SMU at home with a slight win. I, I think SMU pulls out the victory here. I'm going to the Temple here. You know, I, I like SMU. You know, I'm a Texas guy down here living in Waco, but uh, follow SMU a little bit. I think they slip up with this Temple team. I think Temple, they, man, they got they got a pretty decent defense. I mean, I think they'll slow that SMU team. So give me Temple. The final game on the docket here: Indiana at Maryland. Two teams that Nebraska will face here. Uh, very shortly. So, Tyler, Indiana, Maryland, go. I have sold my stock in Maryland. I am no longer a stockholder in Maryland. I will say I think Maryland does have the ability to keep this game close. It is in Maryland, but uh, at the end of the day, I think Indiana will pull this victory. Derek? What the hell happened to Maryland? They were scoring 70 points a game for like the first two or three games. And everyone, I, I, even to include myself, had started to buy in thinking this is a good team. Not only were they scoring 70 points, they were keeping teams down to seven or points or less. They looked good. And since then, they have just completely fallen apart. I don't think this is a close game. I think Indiana just destroys them. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh, I was on board. I was part of that Maryland bandwagon in the beginning of the year, but Maryland turned into actually they turned into worse than what we thought they would prior to the season. You know, well, I had them winning three wins, I believe, at the beginning. Oh, did of the you? Season. Did you? At the very beginning, before before any games were played, I believe okay. I did. I think I, I think I had them at five, but I didn't think that they'd be that explosive in the beginning of the year. Yeah, I, I like Indiana. Indiana, they got a good defense. This is another defense that should worry should worry Husker fans. Also, we'll get into that next week, but uh, Indiana's defense is going to shut it down, and Indiana's going to get the win. Uh, now it's time for our best bet segment. Uh, I know what my standings are. Tyler, give the rest of everybody else's standings here. Well, you know, Justin, I think you're 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 kind of burying the lead there. I mean. I, I had to get a calculator out. I had to, you know, I've been mapping this in an Excel document for quite a while to keep track of your standings because it's been pretty, pretty interesting. But uh, for the people that haven't listened, Justin is on one of the most unbelievable runs you will ever see. Um, you know, this this is a segment we make the best bet we can think of over the weekend, the singular best bet. And Justin is an amazing zero and seven. That's equally impressive. I mean, seven and zero and zero and seven are equally impressive. Being that consistent is awesome. Yeah, it's it, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's amazing. But um, you know, Derek, you, you're having a pretty. You're actually doing pretty well. You are four two and one, definitely winning record. I'm not doing so hot. I am three and four, but um, I, I I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you here shortly. So let's get into this. All right, Tyler, you're up. 
So my best bet goes to Stanford, who is a six and a half point favorite against UCLA. UCLA just lost at home by 17 points to Oregon State. Last time Stanford played, they beat Washington, a team that we all think is a pretty good team. It's in Stanford. Stanford's coming off a of bye week. Guys, I, Stanford's going to run away with this one. I know they're not the Stanford of old, but they're going to cover this spread. I, I, I like this bet a lot this weekend. Derek? All right. Uh, sure. <laughs> I, I went with uh, Mizzou. I mean, they're favored by 21, but they're playing Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt just lost to UNLV 34-10 to last week at home, which they're playing again this week. And I have to think that Missouri's a hell of a lot better than UNLV. They get, and then the week before that, they lost 31-6 to to Ole Miss, who's, I mean, okay this year. They're, they're only scoring 18 points a game. Missouri only gives up 15. Missouri scores 39 points, and Vanderbilt's giving up 37 points. This just all, all the stats here lead to Missouri destroying these guys. So I think Vanderbilt's one of the worst Power 5 teams in the country. I would like to see them play Rutgers just to see how that would fare out because I think those are the two worst ones. Okay. All right, so for my best bet this week, I'm going to stick with what I know. And I know Nebraska, and I know our opponents. And I've done very well in the score prediction contest for Nebraska throughout the year. I think – I want to say I'm undefeated, but I think I might have lost one game. So we got two opponents up on the docket, Indiana-Maryland, the game that we just talked about. And I think right here, this is a game right here where Indiana covers big. Uh, Indiana's five-and-a-half-point favorites. Maryland as They've turned into a pumpkin on this one. Their Cinderella days are gone. They're pumpkin. And Indiana shoots through the world. I mean, I'm going to get my first win here. So I am quadrupling down on everything else that I've done here. So Indiana is the lock of the freaking year in this game. You know what? As, as much as you irritate me with your Nebraska negative propaganda every week, yeah, I have to tell you I'm rooting for you. Like I want you to win this one. Why, you already put money on Indiana, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, but I really thought about it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a great pick, guys. Uh, I think the, the line is so low because of all the uncertainty with it, Maryland. It's like, who are they really? I mean, is it the team of the first two weeks? Or is it the team, you know, last few weeks that just, God, let's talk about inconsistent. I know Indiana goes on the road, but, yeah. Uh, we'll see. I'll probably be wrong like I usually am. <laughs> All right, guys. This is a great show. Hey, great thanks to uh, Aaron Sorensen for coming on to talk to us. But uh, let's get to our last call segment. Last call to you, Tyler. My last co- call goes to uh, the Huskers. In 2021, we will be playing the Week Zero game in Ireland. Guys, I am psyched for this. I think it's a really cool experience for the players. I don't know where we're going to be in 2021. I don't know where I'm going to be personally, but, man, I would love to be at that game. So I, I think this is a really cool deal. Yeah. Derek? Uh, it's, it's cool for the players. I It'll be fun for the coaches, the, all, all the university involved. If there's fans that can afford to go, which I know I won't, but uh, if there's fans that can afford to go, it'll be fun for them. I, I think it's a cool deal. 
Uh, I don't know that it's necessary, but whatever. I, it's, it's fine with me. Hey, my wife and I, we already talked about going. Uh, we, we talked about it. Of course, I just said Ireland, and of course, Brooke is all in. Uh, she doesn't know, you know, football games being played. She just heard Ireland. So <laughs> I hope I don't get stuck on Harry Potter pussy ass tours or something. But uh, I'm in. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Tyler, you want to go? Derek, if you don't want to go, why are you guys shaking your head at me? I, I don't know why. <laughs> it's it's always PG until you get on. I know. It is? And it's always late in the show. I mean, yeah. I mean, what? You guys like Harry Potter? I mean. <laughs> Let's move on. No, it, it was the description Harry of Harry Potter. All right, well. All right. Last call to you, Derek. All right, so I'm going to stick with my second favorite sport here and go into the baseball playoffs, and I want to talk about them dirty birds, them damn dirty birds that are going to get swept out of the NLCS. And it looks like the Nationals are going to reach their first World Series in Program history, you know, they came from Montreal Expos, never made it there, moved down to Washington, became the Nationals, and now here they are finally getting to a World Series, and they're three outs away tonight of sweeping them Cardinals, and I love it. I love every minute of it. Oh, you know, little known fact, I've made the Cardinals my best bet in baseball the last four games that they've played. I mean, I don't know how consistent i can be on this over situation with best bets but uh sorry tyler I, I just had to do it lost a lot of money doing it but damn it feels good inside tyler I, looks like he don't have anything to say in this I, I i i can't believe you did that to me justin i feel wrong and and i would be you know the cardinals had a good year i mean they actually made the playoffs it's pretty cool to do that the cubs should try it um it's yeah. pretty nice it's pretty nice when that happens it's nice to make NLCS is more than once a decade. It's pretty cool. So maybe the Cubs should try it. But no, I mean, it, I'll tell you guys, the, the Nats pitching, Cardinals had no answer for it. it and it, it was, I, I watched a lot of Cardinals baseball, and I couldn't watch those games. It was painful. The Cardinals, I mean, it would be like me swinging against these guys. I mean, it was, they had no, they had no shot. It, it was brutal. I think I had texted you at one point that they had had one hit in 15 innings of play. Uh, it was it was brutal. I've never seen two pitchers go into the sixth or seventh inning with no hitters in the NLCS. intact, and and they did, and that was amazing. I haven't I mean, been that more proud of a sweep until since I saw my wife sweep the kitchen floor. Uh, uh, <laughs> too soon. Too soon. All right, hey, my last call goes out to the XFL, man. I'm kind of excited for this. Uh, we got two former Huskers that have been locked in, DeMorne Pearsonell to St. Louis and Alonzo Moore, who had a huge uh, season in the AFL. Is that, am I saying that right? AAF. AAF, AAF, yeah, whatever that uh, six-week football league was. But uh, he's going to go to Tampa Bay, and I'm kind of excited for this, guys. Uh Tom, are you excited for the XFL? You gonna watch? I might check out a little full XFL. I mean, I, I wonder if he hate means he's gonna come out of retirement. I would love to see that. So, <laughs> he's older uh, than we are. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm hoping Jordan Westerkamp still makes a roster somehow. But yeah, um, I'll, I'll check out some XFL. There's almost as many Huskers there than the NFL. Oh, cheap shot. That was a low blow. 
That was a low blow. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll check it out. I I hope they marketed a little bit better than the AAF did. Uh, right now, it seems like they're doing better with it, but we'll see what happens. And as long as they can continue to pay their players like they're supposed to, they'll probably be okay. I mean, Vince McMahon's a billionaire. I'm sure he can afford to pay these guys. Yeah, but did you see how little they're paying these guys? Fifty-five grand. And that is if you play in all ten games and go five and five. That's I mean, a hell of a lot more than indoor football leagues make. I'm just saying. I, I I kind of thought that. Well, quarterbacks will make more, but I kind of thought they would be making a little bit more money than that. Because I think uh, what did you call that? AAF, AFL, the 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 other one. <laughs> AAF. The, the dead league. They were paying their. Uh, players a little bit more than that. Maybe that's why they're not paying them anymore. Maybe that's why they couldn't afford to pay them. Yeah, true. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'll watch the XFL. Yeah, Vince McMahon, that, that dude, he cracks me up. That dude's like 80 years old. He, and he's Like it or rich, not, and he's still ripped. Everybody, everybody can hate wrestling all they want, but the man knows how to entertain. Yeah, that, that's all we need. So I, I mean, not, not, I'm going to throw out a bonus last call. Do you see Tyson Fury is going to be in pro wrestling here? What? Yeah, he no is. Uh, I did. I he did hear ha- that. Yeah, he is having his first professional wrestling match against um, Broman. Against yeah, bro, some, bro, someone and some Kane Broman Velasquez, something. Cain Velasquez, former UFC heavyweight champion, is having a, the long-awaited rematch for the UFC in the pro wrestling ring against Brock Lesnar. Oh so, wow! So uh, Dana White couldn't make that deal, but uh, Vince McMahon, they, they've I... got that. So. You know, go to a league that does, you know, that encourages steroids, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, but, but give Maybe the NFL credit. needs to look into it. Right, Dude, yeah, give Vince credit. He, he got $4 billion from Fox to put wrestling on Fox. True. So, the dude knows how. He, he's a businessman. Maybe yeah. he should run for president in 2020. Uh all right. <laughs> we better get out of here, boys. It's already been an hour. All right. Hey, again, a special thanks to Aaron Sorensen for coming on the podcast and talking to us knuckleheads, man. That, that was some great stuff there. Appreciate it, Aaron, as always. Another special thanks goes out to Connor Russell for putting this audio together for us. We're not smart enough to do it without you. So uh, be sure to follow the Husker Cuscast on Twitter, at Husker Cuscast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and now BigHeadsMedia.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week as we preview the Indiana game. And as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red.